Are we live? Oh, we're starting. Oh, I can see the countdown now. Hi, everybody. Hi, Alice. Much love to everybody. <laughs> the infinite bra is back for round two, now as eternal bra. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well the reason for that is because uh <laughs> i've been kind of just resting in silence the last uh i don't know how many days i, I i've been like experiencing life through the peeping hole peeping tom the keyhole of eternity like a peeping tom <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's fucking great just disappear into the absolute without putting the uh, the costume on. Because I've been expressing so much and just, you know, trying to share and stuff. And sometimes it's gonna be like, you know, I'm just gonna disappear into the absolute for yeah. indefinite amount of time in the space of no time, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure everyone on the path will go through like phases where you kind of, the more you can disappear, the more you can come out. Yeah. Emptiness and form. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so what's good, man? Yeah, that's a really core point, actually, on the the journey of piercing the veilless veil and re recognizing one's true nature is that we pass a lot of our time in service and we aim to purify the where we're coming from so that is truly in service to these other costumes of infinity recognizing the true nature and in doing so sometimes it's important to go and recharge said batteries and that's the detoxes and that's the really more in-depth just abiding as the absolute right here in rigpa just you know this is it uh -huh. and yet and yet it really still requires our attention on it yet as a gym repetition to really anchor it in better and better. The In gym, as a gym bra, the rest periods are almost as important, <laughs> not more important than the lifting itself. See, you spend, okay, so here's the thing. If you want to build muscles, how many hours a week do you spend at the gym? Maybe five hours? How many times, how many hours a week do you spend resting and rebuilding the muscle? The rest of the time <laughs> yeah. so all your gains are actually made away from the gym it's only when you let go of the gym let go of lifting that's when the muscles start to grow the same uh -huh. with like mystical experiences psychedelic experiences or meditative states it's not so much that the experience itself matters although it's mind-blowing it's what you can gain out of the experience after it's over when you start to unpack and start to decondition yourself that's just as important as the experience itself but people a lot of people get stuck in an experience and then they never see or oh, what happens after the fires stop burning and you look at your side yes as the incredible awakening alchemistry that occurs it's mission critical to take the time to reflect on and integrate said mystical experiences so that we can re-baseline ourselves to that more elevated, more awakened state, the rest so, period. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, all, all these uh, masters like Osho and uh, Ramana and uh, Akutoli, Buddha, 
after their awakening, immediately they retrieve into silence for many years. And uh, see, here's an analogy that I came up with. Uh, I think you'll be able to relate. So I look at the process of awakening as lighting a piece of wood or a log or a tree on fire. So at first, the, tr the log is just a static, solid log, like a you know, piece of wood. And then once you start to practice and you start to go into this journey of awakening, you start to light the wood on fire. And you have these glimpses of this awakening experience where the, you know, the, the wood catches fires for a little bit. Maybe you glimpse it for like five seconds, 10 seconds the first time, and then the fire sizzles out. And then you start to go deeper and deeper again. You start to decondition yourself. That's where the dark night of the soul and the spiritual highs come in. You get the spiritual high, and then after the spiritual high, ooh, what's left? Then you gotta start looking inward and clean out what's, re what's left in your closet. And then as you go on deeper and deeper into the trip or into the, into the path, the fire will burn more and more consistently until one day, when you have your quote-unquote final awakening, when you are abiding in non-duality permanently, the fire doesn't stop burning. It burns forever. But even after the fire ceases to stop burning, there's still going to be conditions left in your body mind that needs to be dissolved even after your quote-unquote final awakening. So after you're you know, you're abiding in Rigpa or in natural state, the fire keeps on burning, but you still gotta take, it takes years for that, the, for the wood to completely burn away. That's why all those masters, they go into the silence because they realize even after the fire never ceases burning, you know, there's still conditions left from, I don't know, other lifetimes or even just this lifetime, 30, 35 years of conditions. And then when all the wood stop burning, the fire is just a fire itself. The sun just burns without a single speck of like wood or solidity inside. And all the steps in between all the mystical experiences, they're almost like God giving you like candies. They God in the cloud like drops candies on the path for you and like you eat the candy, you're like, holy shit, I'm closer to it, I'm closer to it. But then you gotta move on because once you experience something, you gotta let it go and then move on to the path deeper and deeper. So you can't just be like eating candies on the same spot all day long, you know what I mean? Because the only way you can truly understand something is if you can let it go. Same with the experiences, yeah. If you're still thinking about something, then you haven't understood it. It's only when we like transcend and let go of the self that we really understand what the self is, for example. Mm. Mm, yeah, this, <laughs> this retreat into silence is really mission critical. Yeah. It, <clears throat> it enables the reflective period that anchors the abiding of the true nature more consistently, which then enables one to, like you said, in this final stage, really radiate out like the sun effortlessly, the love, light, peace, bliss, harmony, and weave that into the fabric in order to get to that though this process of going in because there's so much outside to do to play with to experience to toy with and that is very in a sense distractive and it can intoxicate you like maya lakshmi just just bringing you in with the fishing reel like come over try this try that oh you haven't tried <laughs> 
You haven't tried this one yet. You haven't tried that one yet. Try more, try more, try more. But you've already in so many ways communed. You've already united with your true nature. So take the time to actually abide and go inward and recommune and recommune and reabide and reabide until it really becomes so effortless. And then you're right that the this ascent and descent happen simultaneously. Oh, last, right, right. last year, Sri Aurobindo and the Mother Miral Fossa really taught me that. And you see it happening every single day, still today. Today had a great interview, first interview with Ula, super incredibly perfect, and then elevating. And then right afterward, there was a process of a dark night, a, a descent right yes. afterward, where I was being reflected some sort of a still a, a lack belief or impurity or a a need to be validated or seen this type of stuff and so immediately right. afterwards so those two poles went in the same like three hour period and so that's gonna keep happening yeah and then after that you reach a state of equanimity where is that which gives rise to both the spiritual highs the light and the spiritual low the darkness because in true, in true natural state, there's no distinction between lightness and darkness. There's no distinction between self and no self. Because if you ask a tree or the cloud, hey, what is consciousness? What is the self? What is the cloud? <laughs> He's not gonna give a fuck. It's just natural, natural state. There's no difference between enlightenment and non-enlightenment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is probably <laughs> one of the most important conversational points, probably is the the natural state aka be here now aka rig rigpa aka void infinity aka nothingness everythingness aka beyond coming and going aka buddha being, being and not being aka buddha plus atlas merged into one <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. so this the idea of being a flower that naturally effortlessly blossoms to the sun is very beautiful and very poetic. And yet there's also this will and this choice, this very clear, am I aligned with God's love light or am I doing something distorted for one of my egoic layers of identity? Right. And, right. and so then that's where this, quote realignment back 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 from the onion layer you know Aurobindo and the mother called it the first one is inward that you go inward through those onion layers inward and then this ascent and descent happens simultaneously and then you go outward that's the integral yoga and that 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 process of so-called going inward has to do with that realigning. So when we say things like it's a very macro level idea is that you're already enlightened. And yet at the same time, are you attached to your egoic identity and onion layers? Because if you are, then it's going to, your quote already enlightened is going to show up as anger and frustration and malevolence and not knowing your true nature and trying to extract from Maya to get happiness and peace, etc. So I think last time we had you talk about your steps, your three steps to awakening. You said they were first of all with the ego, and then the ego, then the, there's awareness watching the ego, right? And then even the awareness gets unplugged. So I want to 
delve deeper into that a little bit. Um, yeah, let's let's play for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I have the same idea. The first year, just a separate self, your ego, and then you start to discover, oh, there's awareness, this infinite spacious awareness around this. Itself. But at that stage, at that stage, you're sort of just finding a new solace in awareness or the witness. You're transferring the self into this new ground of being, the spacious ground of being. But then that's when you feel like, oh, universal love. That's when you feel like this unity and oneness and compassion. You set up a life, love, things like that. Mm. And then the next step after that is the opposite. You go into emptiness. That's the death. That's celebrating death. Like what you just said, the two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. uh, that's when you even remove the witness. Mm -hmm. Even the witness disappeared. Mm -hmm. And in that stage, even awareness ceases to be something relevant. Awareness and consciousness, you realize, was just a solace, a new kind of ground of being that the self heightened. But when the self really started to drop away, you can't find consciousness or awareness. I mean, sure, I can say there's consciousness right now. I'm aware, I have an experience, but you're no longer attached to the idea that I am consciousness or I am awareness. You sort of disappear into that what I call the warm blanket of the universe, mm -hmm. and it's just natural, natural. That's the difference between the arahat, which is someone who is obsessed with nirvana and death, and potechita. Uh, someone who is obsessed with love and compassion and universal love and all that stuff. There are actually two sides of the same coin. One celebrates life, the other celebrates death. One is like, hey man, I'm gonna spend the rest of my life trying to wake people up. But that's still based on sort of a very subtle relation, uh, sort of a quote unquote egoic relation, a little bit, just a little bit, tiny, tiny bit, way less than you know the egoic state in the very first stage. But the araha, He's the one that says, hey, man, I'm going to go sit in my nirvana. And everyone else is not woke. He's still attached to the idea of separation just a tiny bit. He wants to enjoy his own nirvana. He thinks that nirvana is better than everything else. Buddhahood is the combination of the two while transcending both. That's the difference between enlightenment and Buddhahood. Or enlightenment and the natural state. Buddhahood just becomes a normie. He just becomes a normal person. He's no distinction at all between death and life, nirvana and sankara, non-duality and duality. All those concepts from the Buddha's perspective, they all seem empty. Buddha said it, even the Dharma is empty. If you really understood what Buddha was saying, every insight, every wisdom, every mystical experience that you accumulated throughout the path, you just threw it all away. But that doesn't mean that you can't experience them, you can actually experience them even deeper. You can experience all the states deeper. They just become sort of like, uh, costumes like glasses you put on. Oh, today I'm going to put on the non-duality glasses. Today I'm going to put on the eternal glasses. Today I'm going to put on the infinite glasses. Today I'm going to put on the awareness of awareness glasses. Today I'm going to put on the ego glasses. It's all fair, fair play. It's all the same <laughs> because awareness and consciousness is the last lens of perception. Yeah, it's still a lens of perception. It's clear. That's why people miss it. They clear it out everything, but then they're going around saying their awareness and consciousness. But that's still a lens of perception. Once you remove that. You become more like an animal than a god or a human. It's almost like you transcend god and human. Uh, yeah, it just feels like you 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 feel more like an animal than, than just supernatural, natural natural state. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. There's this 
like we described, <clears throat> we can take this from the this being the absolute, you being the absolute exactly where you're at right now. And that right, totally. And we can take it from there. And then we can also take it from as we were describing where there is this alignment with love light. And then there is the distortion of the ego layer out here where I'm trying to get peace and happiness from Maya. I don't know that we actually share our awareness, that we share our source, that we are the creator of this reality. When you don't know that data, you are so much more running algorithms and scripts that create suffering. Okay. So now we have that. So that's number one, like you listed is the ego. So these layers of identity, and then we become really, really subtly aware as we go inward, we become subtly aware of awareness itself of observation itself of witnessing. And as we do that, that is also a gym repetition. It's both, <laughs> it's a gym repetition. It's, it's both the gradual and sudden merged into one. And so you're, you're gonna over time, even today, still, there are moments where the Atlas costume is much more aware of awareness. And there are days when it's not as aware of awareness. There are days when it's very aware of being source of infinite possibility. And it's not, yeah, it's all the same like that. And so, okay, so there's that. So step, that second step is, you know, really kind of becoming hyper vigilantly aware of awareness itself. And then that's usually when people unlock this heart chakra and they start, right. they feel that unity, that love, that cosmic consciousness, that Christ consciousness, you begin feeling that, the, and you, you love service, you love love, love is the vibration of the entire planet and the whole harmonic that's occurring and the whole Leela, the whole divine play. And then there's the recognizing that even awareness itself, just like in a dream, when we simulate out our dreamed environment, we also simulate out the observer itself in the dreamed environment. And so like you said, it's the very last attribute is the actual observer, the actual awareness itself is the very last attribute to also, in a sense, transcend at make it into an object and transcend even the all inclusive awareness. And then there's this emptiness, nothingness, the, right. the very nirvana the very and this is where it becomes two sides of the same coin because you don't stay there it's not a place to stay in you take what you recognize as all of these being dreams and dreamed explorations of a one infinite intelligence and you and you decide to then become at, merge with Atlas at the same time and and weave your enlightened realizations into society in terms of architecting the frameworks that then maximize prosperity and abundance and play and harmony and creativity and gifts and uniqueness because ultimately intelligent infinity adores the process of expressing itself like fireworks and that's why the Frank costume looks a certain way and this Atlas costume looks a certain way it's because we get to express ourselves that's why the song nwa express yourself dun 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 
express yourself and Katy Perry, baby, you're a fire. I love that song. Yeah. <laughs> that's a spiritual song, bro. <laughs> well, so that's also what we're talking about. The last stage is just the last picture of the ten ox Zen sequence, the full circle, where you kind of you catch the ox. At first, you see the the first stage. You see the footprints of the ox, and you see the tail of the ox. The ox represents enlightenment. For those of you who who don't know this picture, maybe we can pull that out. Did we put that out last time, or did it? No, we didn't. Tell me. Okay, we, tell uh, me the Zen ox. 10 pictures, 10 steps towards uh, enlightenment or natural state uh, is the, the 10 pictures of the the parable. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I, I think every tradition has its own way of talking about those steps, uh, those processes, which at the end, there's no process at all. There's no path at all. <laughs> yeah, there's the... There's the ten bulls, which is yeah, one the ten bulls. That oh, one. Yeah, okay, right. so let's let's pull it up. Right. Is that the ten bull? This one. is the ten. Yeah, in search yes. of the bull, discovery exactly. of the footprints. <laughs> that's, that's when you had. That's when you have a little glimpse of it, and then perceiving the bull is when you have a glimpse of it. Footprints is more like, oh, I read it somewhere. I read uh, it somewhere. <laughs> and then finally, you perceive it, you have a glimpse of. The absolute or infinity or the natural state and then you go on deeper into the path you practice even more and then you catch the bull uh -huh. catching uh -huh. the bull huh. and then you tame the bull that's when you really start to like integrate with this thing it's it's bull is such a great metaphor because the thing is, it's, it's wild and it's huge i mean i mean it is nature itself it's not easy to tame yeah. and it's not easy to ride that's why all those teachers, they go into like 10, 7 years. They, they say it takes 10, 7 to 10 years to integrate this thing, which makes sense. This one Zen master said it took me 12 years to get over it. He's talking about that. Yeah. Yeah, it takes 12 years to ride the bull and tame it. Wow. Because the switch from your personal identity being this small self inside the head, this limited Mitsu, to like all of reality, yeah. that's huge. That's a process. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's we're not gonna go to the to the gym and bench press three hundred pounds day one. Yeah, you're you're not. Yeah, totally. Or, or the another analogy is well, after you bench three hundred pounds and then you go back into the world, how are you going to interact with people? How are you gonna pick up uh, an ant <laughs> with the strength of someone who can bench three hundred pounds when you're used to picking up an ant with no strength? Oh, it's easy. But now you have a body of a 300 pound bench presser and the strength of a 300 pound bench presser how are you going to pick up an ant and not hurt it <laughs> yeah. and then you have the number seven the bull transcended that's when you sort of let go of the whole paradigm of spirituality and awakening <laughs> even out of awakening <laughs> and then both the bull and the self transcended and then you re then reach the source and then you return to society. So basically, the last picture, you just become somebody that's so normal. There's nothing spiritual about you. You, just, <laughs> you become invisible to society. And then you stop giving a fuck even about trying to share it. If people ask you, go ahead and tell them, right? Yeah. But then the, the need to teach, to share, the need to even stay silent, to be in the source, to be, oh, I'm in Nirvana. <laughs> don't, don't fuck with me. I'm the mountain, bro. That, even that's gone. And then there's a lot of pictures. Some pictures have this, uh, the last one of this, this, this normal dude in the market and he's drinking wine <laughs> because there's no, he sees no distinction at all between Nirvana and Samkara. He sees no distinction of being awake and being not awake. It's all just, 
And it's sort of like the last picture, you sort of go back to being an individual again. Instead of like perceiving everything is, of course you can still perceiving everything is God, but you you sort of, the, the individuality sort of return and you can express all the previous stages through, you know, just the meat suit, just the empty meat suit. You become a free, authentic human being. You, you, go, you transcend being nothing, you transcend being the Godhead, you transcend awareness and everything, which includes them all. That's why you say, man, after, before enlightenment is a mountain, during enlightenment, it's not the mountain, after enlightenment is a mountain again, except that's when the mountain really just perceives itself. During enlightenment, you're still a, a being here perceiving the crazy mountain. Holy shit, mountain is like, oh, it's like an acid trip, DMT trip. But that's still perceiving and filtering through uh, a, 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 so, sort of like a separate being that's awakened. But even that has to be let go of until there's just a mountain again. But this time the mountain is just eternity gazing at itself, infinity expressing itself. Because there is a difference between infinity expressing itself and eternity gazing back at itself versus the human character perceiving infinity, the human character perceiving eternity. There, there, that, 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 that two, those two stages that during the process, that's the stage we're talking about where you continue to um, dissolve the rest of your conditions even after a full awakening. Because it takes a while, it takes a long time to decondition yourself. And one of the really important um, blind spot, one of the really, one of the, the conditions that people tend to miss during this process, maybe the last layer is the condition of the whole paradigm of spirituality. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because a lot of time after awakening, people continue to play the game of spirituality. They, they <laughs> I mean, all that's fine. All that's fine. All that's great. But they're kind of just, they're, they're peeling away a layer and they, they build it up again by, by just, you know, sort of playing this, continually being stuck in the game of spirituality. See, spirituality is like a mother, the godfather of all other programs. You go into spirituality to dissolve all the previous programs, like the sex program, like the being a rich person program, the CEO program, the fitness program, the science program. And then you go into a spirituality program. You're like, this is the program. But then it's still a program itself. After you beat all the levels and accumulated all the wisdoms and all the candies and all the levels of consciousness, you that, that spirituality itself, that program must self-deconstruct as well to go back to the natural state. That's the difference between a natural state and this guy who's enlightened has halo on his head. <laughs> and this, this the natural state guy wouldn't care. He could be a porn star or a prostitute. And he wouldn't care if people perceive that as enlightenment or non-enlightenment. <laughs> the formation of even spirituality itself arose from the realignment to our true nature as intelligent infinity endlessly expressing itself because we had the distortions of those egoic onion layers and that we became attached to form and identity and separation and trying to extract peace and happiness rather than knowing our nature as peace and happiness. And so spirituality formed as a word to realign people away from those egoic onion layers towards God's love, light, unity, service to others. And that's the whole notion is once you know and you're abiding, then you 
like Frank said, you're in this natural state that's so harmonic that there's no impulse whatsoever for you to have to, I have to share my gold with people. It's, it's only when a true disciple that's confused comes and asks, you know, what is the natural state? Then you, this darshan, that's this enlightenment transmission that just naturally, spontaneously, creatively comes through to directly point them at exactly what they are and also to help them refine is we give these metaphors and symbolic analogies like recognizing oneself as the sky in which the thoughts and the perceptions and emotions and beliefs appear and disappear and so you're the awareness sky that is impersonal and eternal and then you are actually the creator of even the sky itself and the clouds and so you're the source of the infinite possibility stream and so to sort of recognize that the whole of what we're talking about is in itself this perfection that's ineffable and yet no worries and and yet is so important because you and i if there was if if the people we were seeking to learn from were just like there is nothing to there's nothing to do we we would be like yeah yeah it's still very i i still think it's very important to share i i think I think it all depends on if you align with it or not. Like if you have a resistance, if, if you feel authentic doing that, if it's aligned towards the absolute, then you can do anything you want, really. But when you align with the absolute, it's just there's very little chance that you're gonna hurt other people. That's why I say you just do whatever the fuck you want, just don't hurt other people. But if you're you know, you can share if you want, you can share in however form or shape that you want. Uh, it doesn't have to be just, oh, I can't share unless someone comes talk to me because that's all spiritual ego. It's not really like that either. You know, it's it's all about how aligned you are to truth when you do, you know, not just sharing Dharma, but anything. Because at the end of it, the source that vibrates into the highest meditative states of Godhead is the same source that vibrates into a tree or a leaf. There's more truth in a branch from a tree or a leaf than the entire paradigm of spiritual knowledge because there really is no such thing as spiritual knowledge because enlightenment is the end of all knowledge you just abide in the not knowing abiding in the not knowing is very very difficult because the mind mm -hmm. keeps trying to understand and that's it's just like spirituality is something that you, you accumulate all this knowledge just is great you accumulate all those experiences all this insight but at the end of the day if you don't throw all that away and just be a fucking tree then you're still gonna have some clinging and suffering yeah <laughs> so the simultaneity of absolute ineffable perfection mystery enigma just simultaneously with these maps symbols analogies metaphors for those that don't feel like I am a flower growing towards the sun, but they feel like there's a mind inside of the flower that is toiling them around from suffering to suffering, that right. then there's a way to go warm. And then that's what we're talking about. And then even then, when you get to the warm alignment, then 
again, go through the process of the absolute absence of symbolization and maps and meaning and all of that. And then once you've really abided as that as well, then recognize, okay, well, there is naturally spontaneously will be a time when you will turn and then serve those that do seek as well. And then you can put on the back the costume of all the different knowledges of different spiritual yes. traditions or different lenses of perception of how to experience the world perceptually. But then you're just not attached to any of them. You're not attached to a certain school or a certain path or oh, this experience is more true than your experience. You sort of just detach yourself from all of it. And you realize that all of it is it, but none of it is it at the same time. <laughs> That's when you transcend being and non-being. The absolute and the relative. Yeah. Oh yeah, I have this analogy, but since we love analogy so much, I have one more analogy that you like. Mm -hmm. The first the first stage is this you the little boy and discover that you have a penis. And then you discover that you have a penis and you can ejaculate. And then the third stage, you discover that you could fuck a woman or two or three, whatever. And then the fifth stage or the fourth or whatever, you discover that you could fuck the universe while the universe is fucking you. And the final stage, enlightenment, is when the universe is fucking itself. And then you sink into the natural state, which includes but transcends all the other stages. You can still fab if you want, or fuck the universe, yeah. <laughs> or fuck two girls, or just you know be a flower. <laughs> it's the reflexivity that really matters. It's a reflexivity. See, yeah. no self. A lot of people get stuck in this idea of no self and emptiness. Yeah, because that's just one view. Even non-duality is just one dimension of life. When you first access it, you think this is it. This is, mm -hmm. this is everything. Well, it is true. Mm -hmm. But then once you let that go, you realize, oh, I, I never truly understood it until I let it go. And then now you have this different lens to play with. You can you can wear the lens of a self. You can wear the lens of no self. You can wear the lens of whatever self in between. Mm -hmm. But it's only when you let go of all the different layers of the mind can you comfortably put them on like a wardrobe without being attached to it. Truly being an invisible man who is capable of putting on any type of wardrobes and costumes and not feel any friction. Yeah. I adore that. That's so strong. It's the the process of let's start with if even in the first place because there are still quite enlightened parents conscious awake parents and also conscious awake enlightened indigenous traditions where they don't even allow in the first place for the egoic layers of identity like onion to, to form in the first place. Awareness to grow. Yeah. So you, it's, it's right away from the beginning. It's n n true embodied knowledge of being an expression of infinity of firework and being both that emptiness and all form. And so that's beautiful to have that. And that's definitely a huge part of the planetary pedagogy as we get to our more awakened civilization. Now, in the 3D third density matrix that we were born into, that when we talk about matrix, we reference things like 
government, politicians, propaganda, economic machinery, high fructose corn syrup, fast food, all these things that are like, they're the lockless locks that anchor us. Lockless lock. (laughs) And that our process, like you described, it goes from a place of you can say that the like you said, you little boy with a penis, and then you learn you can ejaculate, and then you're like, oh my gosh, I can have sex with <laughs> women. And, and then there's the, you transcend again. So this is a really important part because most, I would say most people are at the place where they're having sex. They're really enjoying swiping on the Tinder and and platforms where they can hook up culture, this type of stuff. I can it's not just hook up culture. It's, it's almost like if you're doing something for approval of another like colleague in your work, that's the same thing. Uh, yeah. Just like your, your identity is based on how the other party perceives you. That's perfect. That's the part where you find out you could have sex with people that makes you happy, and then you realize you could have sex with the entire universe while the universe is fucking you, and that's when you get into spirituality in the okay. pinnacle when the, the universe fucks itself, and then you drop all of that. <laughs> yes, yes. So we'll, we'll, we'll incrementally go through the explanation. That's okay. this is really a beautiful way to to share this, Frank. This was really nice. Is that that when we go and we seek to have bliss and peace through our orgasms from (laughs) having sex and we get validation as well. My whole identity is based on my costume being validated by other costumes, but we don't, but these are, when you're in the third density, you're not calling it costumes because you don't know that that I is even shared. And so you think that these are separate entities and whatnot. And so, so what happens is then you work into piercing that veilless veil and getting to a point where you're like, wow, this is the universe fucking itself. This is, <laughs> this is beautiful. I can, I can have sex with the whole universe. Prana, even the word itself, that life force that comes every single one of these inhalations is so DMTE every single one of them. And so when we really tap into that, then we get to a point where I'm I'm having sex with the phytoplankton and the trees of the planet as the whole oxygenation of the planet is occurring and I'm taking 20,000 of those per day. And so then you're getting into a more much more spiritual awakened states. And then yes, the universe fucking itself and then realizing that that whole infinity expressing itself endlessly and then the natural state as is written in the banner as frank described is when you drop all all of the categorizations and instead you're able to like a ninja like a jedi playfully put on these different lenses and jump between you know one day if you're feeling spontaneous go and fuck a girl fuck a girl after you fucking go go into a god my state (laughs) Oh, simultaneously. Maybe you can fucking go. You got my state. <laughs> and then afterwards, you just yeah, be a tree. <laughs> yeah. Go. Yeah. yeah go in. And so this is, I would say that the natural state is sort of what happens when you drop, in many ways, when you drop your point of view and you drop ideas and you drop symbolization. And what you do is you go on a walk. And as you're on the walk, you surrender to the absolute flow 
And what happens is you're walking and then you see a flower and you stop and you, yes, you enjoy this. You enjoy that aroma of the flower and it's, and it's beautiful. It's and like, you actually, yeah. and it's just like being a little kid. That's it's, it's like, it's like being a little kid and an old man and a monkey more so <laughs> than being a really spiritual person. <laughs> and, and that, and this is the thing is that, and then after the flower, that there's the 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 person that's chilling on on their bike and right on the sidewalk where you're walking and that you guys look at each other and you smile and at that point many people if they haven't you know played around with this sort of ability to navigate through this they they may just simply walk right past and you can walk right past if that's what arises but it's the confrontation of the souls i've really enjoyed that a lot is when you in a sense you stop and you do post smile you're like you feel in that peace and bliss of the natural state and the person even though they might not be at such an elevated state they become like you know, to me, this happened a couple of days ago. They said, they're like, you were meant to show up in my life. Like, I have been wondering about this exact thing. You were meant to show up and to talk to me about this natural bliss and peace. And so that's something really important is undergoing this confrontation of the souls. And because that's ultimately what this is about, is about every single one of these infinite fireworks undergoing a relational process with itself to awaken to its true blissful peaceful amazing nature yeah yep <clears throat> yeah. yep and i love that that was a really good breakdown from you and that again if we can take the these different layers lenses and be able to swiftly effortlessly like a jedi navigate through them then we're really in a deeper more embodied less driven by one of those distorted kinks it's almost like the distorted kinks can sometimes drive when you get stuck at one of those levels and then or with one of those lenses you get stuck with one of the lenses like there's nothing to do and nowhere to go and nobody to be and nobody here. And this is just a dream. You don't exist. That's become one of the most common like Neo Advaita, like this is it. This is the end. This is the truth. And then what happens is when somebody parrots that message because of mimesis were mimetic creatures that then they wonder, why do I still suffer? Why do I have anger? Why do I have malevolence towards other people? Because you haven't had stream entry yet. You haven't even entered into your own stream of clouds appearing and disappearing. You haven't become aware of awareness. And so you have to recognize that, that this is what we're talking about, your ability to navigate all of that. Right, right. <clears throat> so I would say there are three levels to uh, realization. First is intellectual. And second is an experience, and third is a realization, right? So a lot of times we hear so many spiritual talks, and we only understand intellectually, and we don't have an experience of it. Even with experience, people can tend to get stuck there because without any realization, the experience doesn't get locked in because the realization is something that transcends both the experience and the intellectual understanding, but includes them both. 
I would say realization is something like a permanent shift in perception. Perfect. That's what I put it. A, a permanent shift in how you are being in the world. Exactly. How you embody the world. It's very visceral. Yeah. It transcends the physical and the spiritual. It transcends experience. So we get confused a lot of the times between experience and realization and also between uh, intellectual understanding and experience. There's so many spiritual talks out there. I was talking to one of my clients yesterday. I was like, how's your meditation going? And then he was like, you know, I do, I meditate here and there, but why meditate when I can just listen to uh, non-duality lectures on YouTube? I'm like, you can, uh, if you're doing like self-inquiry on top of that as a supplement, but if you only listen to lectures, if you only read books, that's like, back to the gym analogy, that's like looking at a workout program or watch Ronnie Coleman workout without you ever having to step into the gym and grow muscles yourself. That's the difference. And then you have realization, which is taking that muscle. Okay, now I have a lot of experiences building muscle. Now I have a great, I have a six pack. I'm strong now. How am I going to carry this new Mitsu, this new physique, this new uh, consciousness into the world and live as an embodied being, being embodied in the world while carrying this newfound physique, Mitsu consciousness, whatever. That's realization. <laughs> That's why I like talking to you, man, because like you're like you're not just stuck in just spiritual paradigm. You have all this different like nudes, notes that you're just connecting. I mean, I, I'm cool with talking to people who are only spiritual too, but like it, there's a lot more to there. There's a lot there. You know, there, it's a lot more nuanced, I guess. This whole thing is a lot more nuanced. Not just spirituality, but it, it, reality itself. It, it, it's a multifaceted jewel. It, the unfoldment of it depends on how what light you use to filter through what lens. It's it's infinite. I was reading, uh, do you know Wittgenstein, the, the philosopher? the Ludwig Wittgenstein, the great uh, Australian philosopher. You know him, right? Yeah, I was going to talk to you about him. I wrote that down too, Wittgenstein. So maybe you can pull out the Tractatus and we can read a couple of lines. I think Wittgenstein is extremely, he's on the verge of enlightenment. He's playing with his mind and brain with logic so much that any moment he could just completely bust through it, but he didn't. Or maybe he did, I don't know. But based on like his writing and the way he lives his life, I don't think he's gotten there, but he is so close. So the Tractatus is basically the only book that he published. His aim and goal of this book is to answer and demolish all philosophical debates, arguments, statements, discourses in the last thousands of years since Plato. And how is he going to go about doing that? So he wrote this little book, a tiny little manual called the Tractatus. And then I think we should let people see what the Tractatus look like. There's just like the little axioms. They're, they're, it's not even like a book. It's almost like it's just like an, a statement after statement after statement. It doesn't have, it even have sentences. There, there, there we go. The war, the, 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 that's, that's it. This one, two, three, four, five. That's what the book is, consists of. Basically, he comes up with these little axioms based on his perfection and his training in logic and mathematics. And then he comes up, no one can understand this, but I, I, don't, I don't understand it, but I understand what he's trying to do. So number one, the world is everything that is the case. Number two, what is the case? A fact is the existence of states of affairs. It's almost like a Zen koan. It's almost like a like a haiku or something. Extremely <laughs> mystical, actually. He's had a few mystical experiences, but he he's not like abiding in it. And a lot of this comes from his mystical experiences. But he filters 
his mystical experiences through this lens of like super hardcore logic and mathematics. And it's just, it's, it just shows you how like infinite ways that the vacuum manifests itself. Even in someone whose mind is completely scientific and logical, he's going after the same thing. The most interesting sentence in this whole book, which its premise again is to demolish transcends all philosophical inquiries from Plato to Socrates to Aristotle to, uh, I don't know, Heisenberg, Sartre, Rousseau, every single philosopher he wants to demolish and transcend. The very last sentence of this book, pull it out. Let's read that last sentence. That has been my favorite quote since I was like 18, but I never understood what that really truly meant until very recently, that I truly understood what he's trying to do. I even put that last quote in my Tinder profile. Uh, back then, we had like Zenga. That was my like, you know, the quote in my headline. The last quote, the la the last one, the last sentence of this very short book. What is it? Maybe I can search it. What cannot be speak of must be passed over in silence. There you go. That's the last one. This one, the, yes. uh, the main thesis, right? Yeah. Whereas one cannot speak, therefore one must be silent. So yeah, what cannot be speak of must be passed over in silence. That last sentence of this book, this short little book that aims to transcend all philosophy. And if you truly understand that sentence, this book itself must also self-deconstruct. So it's a ladder that you used to climb. And when you get to the other side mm -hmm. of the door, you throw it away. So Wittgenstein would tell you, if you're still reading my book and trying to understand what it means, you haven't understood my book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this book could be kind of metaphorical to the whole system or whole paradigm, the whole game of spirituality. Once you truly understand spirituality, it's self-deconstruct. But funny thing is, after like 20 years of saying nothing, he went back to like, he, he became like a kindergarten teacher or something, became a gardener or something. He still came back and had a new system of philosophy. Even after he said, oh no, I have nothing more to say. He still came back and still wanted to, to share and be creative. <laughs> Yeah, he yeah. finally realized after 20 years, emptiness and form are identical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that kind of like the process is, is there for every, everything. It's not, it's not just in spirituality. Even someone who is into philosophy, he realized, okay, I've defeated philosophy. I have nothing more to say because all these philosophers, because he's, he, basically he's using language to eat itself. This whole book is language eating itself. So he said that the reason why all these previous philosophers are always arguing and can never get to the bottom of the truth of what is the mind, what is reality, what is ethic, they can never get to the bottom of it. Why? Because they're using language. They're using the mind to understand the mind, which cannot be possible. He understood that one. So he said, okay, I'm just going to transcend. I'm going to throw away language, throw away the mind, throw away everything. It's very, very similar to spiritual awakening. You cannot use the mind to understand the mind. If you're still thinking about something, still discussing it, you haven't truly understood it. He understood that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. In many ways, yeah, this excites me because what Wittgenstein was expressing was very much like what Kurt Gödel was also expressing. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. and which yes. which Douglas Hofstetter has picked up on and is now strange looping. Yes. And, and we have Donald Hoffman also taking a lot of these ideas and yeah. bringing them forth. And we have 
Eric Weinstein as well, taking a lot of this, bringing it forth. It's, it's exciting to see the more logic and science and rationality based approaches also, as you shared with us, the reason why we came to this as an exploration was because you gave this idea of this lattice work and that when one does not get stuck in a specific dogmatic parroting style of behavior pattern with the nature to reality, what they do is they open themselves up to the process of actually being able to, as you learn about what truly the Bitcoin white paper and Satoshi Nakamoto and peer-to-peer frictionless exchange of value truly is. And when you also open yourself up to DNA and the code of life and understanding ATCG, understanding transcriptomics and proteomics and metabolomics, when you really get to a place of when you start putting all these things up along with, you know, the heart sutra and all this other great stuff up in this lattice work, you become a Jedi. You just swiftly navigate frictionlessly and blissfully and playfully and peacefully. And you can put on all these different lenses. And that is Joseph in the coat of many colors. That is the chameleon consciousness. That is that. Octopus. The, oct- the cosmic octopus. The cosmic octopus. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. This day feels like if I could be one spiritual animal to represent this thing, it would be a cosmic octopus. I think we did we talk about that last time as a we metaphor. Did, we did a little, and you remember the emoji that I sent you? Yes, yes. The, just recent, really recently. Yeah, that was perfect. That that was the emoji. Yeah, yeah. yeah for those who uh, who who didn't listen to the last one or who, who hasn't uh, heard me spoken about the cosmic octopus, well, it's basically just feels like every sensation, every everything you experience is your tentacle. Even your mitsu. It's a, it's an octopus. It's a cosmic octopus with no center. So even your your mind and your body, your mind, your body is just one of the te- tentacles in this infinite reality where it's just constantly shape shifting, dependent codependent rising with the environment and the mind of the octopus is the body octopus is totally non-dual it thinks with its entire being entire body it flips itself inside out so that the language and the visualization and thought of the octopus is one with the physicality of the body that's what's magical about the octopus and the octopus itself is one with the environment because it's however it thinks it's not just in accordance to the mind body but in accordance to the environment so the environment, the sea, the ocean, the, the mind, the body of the octopus are one. And they become invisible. That's what happened to the, 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 the enlightened being at the last picture. He becomes invisible only when he wants to. And then he can emerge and ejaculate his uh, cosmic calm like the co- octopus, like ejaculating the, the, uh, the, the, the ink <laughs> and just, you know, throw his cosmic, spiritual, metaphysical calm at people and then my fuck people if he wants. Check this out to synthesize with the, to synthesize with the cosmic octopus, the villi inside of the gastrointestinal tract. Oh, so, right. So, so each one, yeah. Make so, it bigger, bigger. Make it bigger. Yeah. So, in a sense, each one of these is <laughs> is like <clears throat> each one of these is like the. You and I, 
these costumes, right. right? So these are like the fireworks of intelligent infinity or like these tentacles in the cosmic octopus. And so what you're doing is you are that which from this intestinal tract is what is absorbing all of this beautiful, delicious experience of this creation that is dreamed and that is exploratory and that is Leela and that is in relation to all of the other fireworks, villi, tentacles. And so there's all these really great sort of analogies to use in the, in the process of, of discussing this. And I would also like to loop this back to what Frank mentioned along with the lattice work, what's mission critical is the actual realization. So as we said at the beginning of the program, you're already it. Yep. This it's, simple, actually. Yeah. it's already it. And that's a beautiful teaching, but it's one of the layers. Another one of the lenses layers is that realization is the process of becoming aware of awareness itself, rather than having this mind that is on these layers of identity and trying to extract peace and happiness and all this type of stuff, rather align yourself with the God's love light that is already omnipresent at play rather than the layer of your costume that you're attached to trying to prove and get validation and creating malevolence and suffering, this type of stuff. So it's mission critical to recognize that there are these lenses that you can wear in the process. And that realization is what we talked about simultaneously. So this is why the process people wonder sometimes they're like, well, why even do these, you know, gym repetitions and whatnot? What's the point of doing repetitions? Well, for me, for example, five years ago till now, it went from a place of being totally unaware, totally unconscious, totally algorithmic, totally scripted to now in a place of bliss, peace, sovereignty, and just in the feeling of true ineffable perfection. Whereas, you know, even a year ago, even a year ago, the feeling of ineffable perfection, there was not a causeless joy in an, in an, an, an imperturbable peace at the stage that it's at today. And so that's the whole thing of why abide is that is that it richens, it deepens. It deepens, yeah, it deepens. Even after you make the quantum shift, after even after you light the wood on fire permanently, there is always going to be more deeper and deeper stuff that you can explore, uh, not just through spirituality or meditation itself, but through other fields. Um, see, that's why the the, the, the tentacles, like well, I can be looking, at, I can experience in a cloud right now, or the wind or the birds, they're all my tentacles. And then looking at you is the tentacle. Looking at a piece of art is a tentacle. Looking at words are tentacles too. It's not like one tentacle is more true than the other. It's like, you know, the, the absolute can manifest itself into concepts too. It's not like, oh, no concept. I'm not going to read any books. I'm only going to stay in the now. You know what I mean? Then you're already limiting yourself to whatever it is that, that, that is. That's, that, that's why you always have to go meta. And by meta, I don't exactly mean going a, a level above. Although it's kind of like that, it's 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 more like just 
dissolving yourself, eating yourself from the inside, like the snake biting its own tail. That's what I re really what I mean by going meta. Because a lot of people, when they, I used to do that, when I was going meta with the mind, I used to have one level and I would come up with another level to look at the level and then another level to look at that level. But then you're just adding on more and more layers, right? True going meta is like a strange loop where whatever it is, the case eats itself. So not just the philosopher that we talked about earlier, Wittgenstein or, you know, the bunch of artists and sorry, scientists and uh, uh, intellectual you mentioned, but even in spirituality, it's talking about the same thing. Buddha said even emptiness is empty. You think you realize emptiness? Even that's empty. Go beyond the beyond. Go transcend the transcendence. Oh, you, I'm sitting in the transcendence. Well, you transcend the transcendence. Right? And even... Um, <laughs> <laughs> transcendence must eat away itself to truly <laughs> transcend. And you have people like Ramana Mahashi, he says things like use the mind to dissolve the mind. Same deal. They're all talking about the same thing. It's like the, the, the Gato thing, you know, the system needs to eat away itself to really understand the system. It needs to eat away itself. Yeah. It, it sounds like there's an ice cream truck playing in the background of your... It's actually a... Um, uh, music it's music it's trash trash car it's trash truck oh it's a trash truck that plays ice cream yeah. truck music that's yes. great <laughs> we should do that in the u.s taiwan is great we should do that in the u.s we should have i we should have trash trucks playing ice cream truck music in the u.s and then we could uh we could have our little uh get together in there <laughs> Uh, we can do our podcast in there, and we can have people come yeah. and you know we have a little sang sangha in there. <laughs> I, I put Cosmic Octopus in the banner for us because it's really deepening its poignancy as an analogy here in this costume as well. Because when you when you quote experience, especially the shift from the 3D matrixy third density <clears throat> human to the fourth density love heart chakra opening when you experience that what it enables you to do if you really train this you can really become like those cosmic octopus tentacles and you can in a sense jump between all of these unique aspects of that cosmic unity, Christ consciousness of all being love, light, interplaying with itself, infinity fucking itself. And so what you can do is you can do things like, for example, I like to do this fun exercise. There's two that I'll, I'll give. One of them is, it's pretty simple. At any point on the planet, there are approximately 1 billion people asleep at any time on the planet. And so what you can do is you can tap in to that collective that is asleep, that 1 billion of the 8 billion that are asleep and the 7 billion that are awake. And so out of the 7 billion that are awake, probably about 5 or so billion of them are in the process of doing something in the in the machinery and economic machinery, political machinery, and then maybe another two or so billion of them are either in the morning or at night in their cycle, so more relaxed type thing. So tap into that hmm. aspect. And then another one to, if you really want to kind of play at these higher levels, is you begin to hold on to beyond your awareness 
to a more impersonal awareness. So you begin holding simultaneously. You can do this with like two people and begin holding the, as you have a conversation with somebody, you're holding both your awareness and their awareness as the I, the great I am, and you're holding it for both. And then you expand that out to three, four, five, six, expand that out to a whole city, expand that out to the whole planet. And then what you get, if you really want to start playing at these kind of bigger leagues of being able to tap into even awareness itself as an attribute, what you can do is you can begin visualizing things like this, where you begin taking what is this last attribute of awareness. And I can see if I can get a nice little zoom on that. There we go. So you are source that makes the witnessing of infinite transience. And so can you visualize the process of you being that, which is this all-inclusive awareness that is all over the planet, watching, witnessing, creating, playing, all this cool stuff on the planet and doing that endlessly with different creations, different civilizations, different form, different costumes, all this type of stuff. And so this is these are the little styles of fun, like gym repetitions as activities that we can do. And they're very, in a sense, under the they're not really in the spiritual nomenclature. Nobody really gives you this example of this is why Frank and I also resonate really deeply is because we both care a lot about the visualization of the nature as well. And when you do that, and this is, you know, stuff like stuff like this is actually courtesy of you know, this like this is courtesy of Frank from from six weeks ago, right? Infinity expressing itself. You get visualiz visualizations like this that help you a lot in the process of recognizing your true nature. And there's another couple in here that Frank passed along that are really strong. This one was one of the recent ones as well. Let well, me close the window really quick. It's getting noisy. Perfect. You go do that. So this is... There we go. This is another one that, you know, that we recently made to synthesize with nature because you have the hummingbird that comes and sucks the nectar out of wow. the flower. Yeah, the same way that the same way that humans suck the nectar out of the Big Bang. That's amazing. So there's ones like that. And then there's, you know, this is one that also Frank passed along that was What you just described, that little exercise, um, you said that it, the contemplation that you did where you kind of expand your awareness first to cover the other person as if you guys have the same awareness and then to two people, to three people, to the entire planet, to the whole universe. And then you said the next step is to even go beyond that and realize that this, even that awareness has a source, has the unmanifested. And then that unmanifested can manifest awareness or it can manifest in other different types of lenses of perception. 
and that's exactly what we talked about earlier too. It's like that first, that, that that initial step of expanding your awareness to love, to unity consciousness. That's sort of that the uh, the, the the love step, the uh, the Jesus Christ Christ consciousness step, the oneness step, and then you go to the emptiness step where you realize that you go to that what I call the the dark light of the absolute, which manifests both darkness and lightness, right? Which manifests not just infinite uh, Christ consciousness, but everything else. So you go back and forth between those two extremes. That's why we talked about earlier. You want to share, you want to go into silence. You want to share, you want to go into silence. You know, one step is absolute infinity, as I call it. And the next step is absolute nothingness. But it's the merging of the two. It's the simultaneity of the two. That is the realization. That's it. Perfect. Yeah, that is the realization. Yes, it is. And that's what the mystics, the sages have been pointing to. And that you will, you will never come to the end of all of the creative possibilities that you are you exploring and you will also never be any of those you will always be formless emptiness as well and so yeah. when we say go beyond birth and death go beyond coming and going we mean be the ineffable perfection that is yeah this yeah, and the only thing you can see, there's nothing to say about this thing except for, oh, this is a table, that's a chair right there. It's, it's just so simple. <laughs> yeah. And you're at this, peace. You're at peace. The, and this is also, we wanted to share this with you guys also. Let's share our boom, boom. Oh, the sculpture of God. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. The, the first... The first reaction, the first thought that I had when I came across this picture was during my entrance to stream entry on my second retreat. So I was meditating for uh, at a Gomika retreat, 12 hours a day on the 10th day, the last sit on the 10th day. I was like, I knew something was happening. I just <laughs> knew something was happening. I was like, I have to sit through this sit and however long it takes, I'm going to stay there by myself. Even after the Gomika discourse, if I have to. I just knew that I had to break through something here. I could feel it. So I was sitting there after like three hours, I could see this image sort of emerging just from the distance. At first it was very small. It looks almost exactly like this. At first it was very small. And then it became bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's when I was already sort of doing self-inquiry, uh, sort of abiding in the awareness phase. That's what allows this to manifest because I was already pulling away from the Frankian entity, from the, the meditator entity even. Yeah. <clears throat> and this thing emerged and I was like, the first reaction I had was like, holy fuck, this is fucking creepy. It's creepy because it's, first of all, it's so familiar. It's almost like that's, it's almost like that's home or like that, that's always been me. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's, it's extremely alien. There's a paradox there. That's the, yeah. the, the paradox. Yeah. And number three, I was just frightened. I was frightened for two reasons because that, I, do I really want to die? Do I really want to merge with the absolute or God? Do I really want to see my true nature? <laughs> Which is why we run away from the inward path. Here's the quote that we can put out. Everything that we do in life as separate individuals is to avoid the nothingness that you are. It's to avoid this. This is nothingness, which is why it's also everything. And then I was like, everything that I knew and experienced throughout my whole lifetime and from everybody is in there. That's the potentiality of yeah. unmanifested which is the same as the manifested. Is this, is this it? Everything we do in life is to avoid nothingness? The nothingness that we are. That we are. Let me, yeah. let me. Oh, at that point, I was like, 
I could just stop meditating and then just you know go back to my life, or I could merge with this thing. So this thing, it's almost like the screen, the, the, the let's call it the screen, the screen of God. And then there's a screen of Frank, which is already detaching itself from itself. That's why the screen of God could appear uh, in the perception of the screen of Frank. But then they actually the same thing. So I was like, once I realized that, man, I have to do this. I don't know when I'm going to get another chance. Because after like 10 days of meditating for 12 hours, I, you know, this thing came up. I was like, you know, I don't know when I'm going to get another chance to die. <laughs> getting closer and, closer and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and then all of a sudden i blanked out i i, I thought i could enter it that, that was my original um initial thought i was like i thought i could enter it and go into a tunnel and experience god unity or whatever but then that wasn't the case i totally blanked out and that is the the, the, the secession right there. In the secession, there's just nothing. It's almost like a, a few friends that's taking it away from the, the cinema of your life. If there's still something, it's not it. So I, bl I completely blanked out. There was no experience at all. There's not even an experience of nothing or God, nothing, which is almost like I fell asleep, but in a very high concentrated state. That's yeah. death right there. And then I came back in and then I just got sort of got popped out of the God of the Godhead. Um, and then it was this like whole body bliss. And then Ever since after that, I knew I entered stream entry, the first stage of awakening, according to a Theravada Buddhist tradition. Now, I used to be pretty attached to those paths, but not anymore. But just in accordance to the Theravada tradition, after that event was when everything just goes exponentially faster and faster. And then my perception after that just shifted. I could feel like, you know, my perception was panoramic 360, but there was still a bubble that, that where I still haven't broken through awareness yet. So at the time, I was like, there, there, my, my head was, my head got really big, but there was still, uh, a distortion. There was still the awareness. That I could still sense a bubble. So that bubble has to expand, 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 and the character has to continue to shrink, shrink, shrink. The seeker has to continue to shrink, shrink, shrink until the seeker is nothing. And there's no even bubble of awareness. There's not even consciousness. There's no way that the self can hide. Not even awareness. Not even consciousness. Not even nothing. So that was my first reaction when I saw that picture. You brought me back the memory of entering stream entry, and then uh, yeah, that 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 is the the sculpture of the absolute. <laughs> <laughs> that is your that is a depiction even though you can't really depict what your true nature is um and by the way <clears throat> from the communion that i've had as well validates also as well as the communion from the people that i've talked to and featured on the show around their realization so that's really validating the many paths one end and also, that when you asked me a little bit ago to also unpack and describe what it is to transcend even the all-inclusive awareness itself, it is this. It's becoming the nothingness that we, ex that we purposely are avoiding because the nature is the perfect Warm of the eternal fire working away from nothingness. Right. The whole thing is infinity expressing itself away from nothingness, endlessly fractaling, just like this image, the sculpture of God is also in many ways. It is as we had when we first pulled up the program, it is like you see when you look up our homies over at Matstown, 
these guys are the homies because it really is this. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about stuff like this, this being it, this being infinity, endlessly fractaling, expressing itself as your unique costume. Endlessly, your costume, Frank's costume, the 8 billion costumes right now, the next creation that has different vehicles, that has a different civilization, that has a different history, that has a different rock orbiting a star, that doesn't even have rocks orbiting stars, that doesn't even have nervous systems, it doesn't even have DNA. It has all this different, you can never come to the end and you will always be something new, you will always be something unique, yet you're also nothingness. Yes, yes. yeah, and so... So get used to, you know, Benoit Mandelbrot has this incredible math that then we turn into the visualization that is as close as we can right now. And Frank and I are aiming to collaborate on creating visuals that even help us recognize not only this, but also this specific expression of our creation and then going beyond that as well. And so just, you know, tap into stuff like this. And it will uh, enable you, like uh, we talk about this a lot on the show, but if you really just do simple stuff, like if you contemplate simple words, like contemplate, here's, here's a very short list. You have the comata. It's that which gives rise to even the fractals of infinity. <laughs> it's the inconceivable and infallible inevitable that gives rise even to those to that to that animation right <laughs> yeah exactly you are that which ineffably gives rise to these infinite possibility yes yes, yes correct right. and that's why when you have people like nisargata the maharaj he would endlessly he would refuse whenever there would be any games of identity being played he would say you are that and siddhara meshwar would also say this who is his guru that as you think so you are so you're going to play the game of identity you're going to be your onion layers i'm going to only be the source of infinite possibility that's my nature that's who i am that's what this is and so i am that and i am not what you think is this body and so this form. And so when you contemplate, even intellectually, intellectually, as Frank indicated, you can work your way like gym repetitions up to the realize, to experience and to realize, and to realization. Because these are your words. When you look up things like infinity, when you look up things like eternity, when you look up things like automata and recursion, what you realize is that we are that. These are the words that we are. When you look at the way that a cell hits a cell checkpoint and then undergoes mitosis. When you look at the way that two humans come together and reproduce to make a human, which then finds another human to reproduce, make a human, just like the oak tree drops an acorn that then makes more oak trees that drop more acorns. It's just recursion. It's automata. Go to the big bang, poof. And what happens? Automata, self-making, self-producing endlessly. And guess what? Cycle again. As Sir Roger Penrose, who won the Nobel Prize in Physics in 2020, says that where we are going is where we came from. We, it's a cyclic cosmology. Even the world's leading physicists themselves, which is really exciting for the synthesis of science and spirituality. 
So yeah, what were we talking about earlier about the uh, the symbols that the logos and the animation that you showed us with the the looping it back on itself thing? Yes. Uh, that that doesn't just apply to space. That also applies to time because time and space are the same fabric. Einstein said that himself. Um, he said that the past and the future and the present are just persistent illusions. Even he understood that without the direct experience of it, just through equations. So that infinite loop that I always tell people, I always like try to illustrate to people that snake biting its own tail, the universe eating itself, or this picture, or whatever, that also applies to time. Because if you think about it, that loop, if you visualize that loop as a four-dimensional space-time, whatever is the case when you are born until you die is the case. There is some, okay, on the spiritual path, sometimes I tell people, whatever isn't there since the beginning of your birth until you die, or even before your birth, because it's going to be experienced by other people, or even after you die, isn't it. So if you loop that thing from the beginning of your birth, whatever it is that stays constant since the beginning of your birth until the, mo until the moment of now, until the moment you die, there's a loop. And within this loop, forms sort of shapeshift inside it. So it's almost like in this, if you abide in this eternal loop, it's almost, it almost feels like whenever you think about the past, it's the same as thinking about the future. <laughs> it's almost like the past memory, it really feels like it hasn't happened. Because in this loop, everything's happening, but nothing's happening. When you think about the future, it seems like either it could already be past or it doesn't even exist. So it's like the past and the future and the present are loses meaning, the sequential events of past, future, present loses meaning. And even the now, even the power of now is empty because there really is no now. Because now is codependent arising through past and future. Yes. And the past never came. The past, sorry, if the I got fucked up, the past never came. That, that is kind of true. Okay. <laughs> Let's go back to the conventional level for a little bit. If the future will never come, and if the past is already dead, it will never you know arise again, then the future cannot be uh, sorry, the present cannot be said to be exist either because they're codependent arising. Because you can still suffer in the in, in the power of now, actually. It, it's, you, you free up a lot of you free up a lot of stuff in the now. If you only abide in the now, you free up a lot of stuff. But in fact, if you take now to be the new ground, a new static thing, where it just be like, oh, there's only the now, you can still suffer in the now. But yeah. when deconstructing the now, it's almost like deconstructing awareness. See, the self is such a cheeky con that it could abide, it could hide itself in awareness. Uh, same thing as hiding itself in the power of now. But once you construct and dissolve even awareness, when the self completely dissolves, when there's nothing, nowhere to hide, when it's just free-flowing, uh, even the now ceases to be meaningful. <laughs> because the now and awareness almost simultaneously exist, one from the perspective of space and the other from the perspective of time. <laughs> once that last speck of self is dissolved, there's no now to abiding. There's no awareness to find solace in. It's just inconceivable. Yes. But it's so at the same time, it's so simple. It's so ordinary. And that is yes. why it's extraordinary. The more ordinary something is, the more normy something is, the more magnificent and more divine something is. <laughs> it's just like looking at a nature documentary. Be like, you watch the, the way the animals move, and you're like, that's how, how I'm moving too. You watch how the, the, the wind blows the trees and how the flowers bloom. You're like, I'm in the same force of nature as all that. Okay, so that's why I've been watching a lot of uh, Animal Planet documentary, nature documentaries lately. But see, the non-duality enlightenment is very, very interesting in the sense that it is like kind of like going back to like the primordial soup of nature. So you just like exact same thing as the lions and the cheetahs and the trees and the flowers and the and the birds. But at the same time, as humans, see, I wouldn't call animals enlightened. 
because we they don't have the metacognition to realize that. So in a sense, non-duality enlightenment is a, is a combination or is the, the paradoxical uh, accumulation of something that's extremely primal, something that's totally in the natural state as natural as nature, and something that's totally alien, something that, that's totally like advanced in technology, something that's totally futuristic. Because then it really non-duality is pretty new, even though it's the quote unquote natural state, it's, it's something that's just started to pick up right now in our modern society. So in a sense, it's something that's extremely primal and it's the force of nature where animals are kind of enlightened, but it takes a, 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 a modern human being who has a, a, this new organ that is the brain to recognize it. So it's the combination of both the advanced, the, the, the alien, the, the new, the, uh, the technological, the stuff that we talk, you talk about a lot, you know, with those science stuff and the primal, the nature. It's the combination of the two. And this, is, and, yeah. and this is what Frank describes. You have the earth fractaling out so naturally. Look at the hydrological cycle. It is it, so beautifully smooth and abiding as the effortless infinite fractal and being the flower that effortlessly blossoms towards the sun that has its unique aroma, which is why you have a unique costume is because you're a unique firework of the infinite. And because of that, you have a unique aroma, you have a unique gift to bring. And, and when you begin synthesizing the Eastern non-dual oneness with the Western beautiful individuation, that's yes. when you start to actually get more towards the true nature rather than one or the other. It's not this or that. It's always simultaneous. And like a Jedi, be able to navigate between them. When you talk to people that are a lot more non-dual and oneness oriented, maybe there's a way to very peacefully and gracefully add a little bit of nice individuation. When you talk about people that are hyper-individuated, you can peacefully, gracefully add a little bit of that unity, that oneness as well. well that's, that's a really good statement that the East and the West, right? The East and the synthesis of, of the East and the West. But then that, like I said before, that is the modern, that, 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 that's a modern phenomenon that arose only after human civilization. That must also be synthesized with nature, with the primordial soup of the natural state. So it's the merging of all that. Yeah. Because you could technically say like animals are enlightened, but not they're not really enlightened, even though they're the natural state, because they don't have the metacognition to recognize that. Yes. So it's almost like you need to put the, a brain on a flower. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> he put a brain on a flower. <laughs> yeah. And then you have this flower garden with all of the different flowers and all the different aromas. Yeah. And, and they're all unique designs that are different colors and aromas and forms. And some have a little bit more of those thorny <laughs> on, this, on the stems. Um, and that's a really good way to... Dude, I, I, I'm just like visualizing a field. I, I'm visualizing like I, I'm a gardener and then there's a field of flowers and each flower has like its own brain at different colors. So it's like little little brains on the flowers and a whole field of different flower brains. That colors. is this. That <laughs> is this. And for some reason, we, with our self-awareness and choice, we have the ability to become attached 
to what is the distortions, the twists, the identity, the attachment to form, seeking peace and happiness externally, all of the carrots of Maya, we have that ability. And because of that, that's where the suffering, the malevolence, all these things come from. And yet at the same time, we have what is very clearly this architectural visionary transcendent protocol transformation that's happening where we have precision consciousness awakening we have the precision protocols of decentralization synthetic biology and as frank listed a moment ago everything we're building with artificial general intelligence and Neuralink and indistinguishable virtual realities the metaverse all this stuff all of that is the natty state all yes yes there's yeah. nothing but the natural state so at the, at the level of the absolute, there's nothing unnatural about civilization at all because there's no duality between what's natural and what's unnatural, what's real and what's not real. So from the ultimate perspective, everything is a natural the, state. The, in 1945, the same dropping of right at the end of World War II, the same dropping of bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the unlocking of the nuclear weapons planetarily happening at the same time as Albert Hoffman uncovering yes, LSD. Yes. That, that is the ascent and descent happening simultaneously, like we talked about earlier this episode. That is that, the ascent and descent happening simultaneously. And in the ultimate analysis, the ascent and descent are one, the natty state, like we've been saying. Yeah. You have to break down to break through. So like the, the process of awakening is very, very close to going through under through uh, psychosis actually. So like, you know, like the, the Hiroshima, it blows away the entire civilization almost, not saying it's good or bad, you know, not saying that it, it should have happened because it gives rise to a new civilization. I'm not saying that, I'm not, I'm not giving labels to it. I'm just saying that process in itself is the same process of the mind when you take LSD. It destroys all your previous beliefs and paradigms and identities and experiences, and it gives birth to a new thing. A new entity. That's what happened. Not just Harumi, uh, Hiroshima. Uh, anytime at the micro level, macro level, cosmic level, it's all going on all the time. Even now, moment by moment, we're dying. We're dying. We're being reborn. Moment by moment. You know that's impermanence. You know what? What is reincarnation? People ask, is there a reincarnation? I don't need to worry about if I'm gonna exist after I die. If my soul is gonna be reincarnated after I die. What's right now is reincarnation. <laughs> What it is right now is you dying moment by moment. At the same time, you're giving birth to yourself moment by moment. The you that makes up who you are now is gone one millimeter second ago, like a movie frame. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, when you zoom into the movie frame, it's completely static. Yeah. So impermanence can only co-dependent rising with complete eternalism. Yes. And then you go, yeah. So you go beyond eternalism and nihilism. You go beyond permanence and non-impermanence. Mm -hmm. You have, to have something that the opposite is also there, just like we said. You ascend and you descend simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why in the ultimate analysis, we keep saying when you go beyond impermanence and eternalism, when you go beyond coming and going, when you go beyond birth and death, when you go beyond absolute infinitude and absolute void, shunya, emptiness, you just are a that is ineffable perfection. Yeah. Everything, everything that's said before it belongs to the mind. The mind just tries to understand, but there is nothing to understand, really. There's nothing to understand. I mean, you can play around with concepts, that's fine. But but at the deepest level, if you recognize the fact that none of this 
none of the intellectual things that we talk about really are, are really it. Are really yeah. it. it. I mean, it is the manifestation of it, like we said before. But yeah. you, ha you have to transcend that to be able to see that. You know what I mean? It's like you have to you have to understand that all the mental stuff, all the concepts, all the analogies are not it. You have to throw it away before you can come back and wear them like costumes. If you are in it, if you if you're still in it, if you're still in the mind thinking to yourself, oh, uh, this mind stuff uh, is it too. Everything natural is also unnatural. If you haven't completely made that quantum jump out of it, you're just yeah, just kidding yourself. You're just kidding yourself. Yeah. And you're going to keep toiling as the flower trying to grow towards the sun, but going into this identity, that form. Yes, 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 yes. Which you can call also the natty state if you want, but we also know that those are distortions. Even the distortions, the kinks, the twists are the natty state, yet also they are distortions, kinks, twists. That you're, in it. you're in it. That can realign to what but is. Yes. Bliss, peace, God's love, light, endlessly at play as Leela, and to know oneself as beyond coming and going, to just rest and relax, drop your specific point of view that you have to insert into everything that you do, drop that, drop it, and relax into the ineffable perfection that this is and do that with friends that know their true nature as well surround yourself that's why it's called satsang it's called truth community and why is it called sadhana the disciplined process of doing things like satsang of abiding is that as you do that more and more often and this is why at the shift into permanent alignment that I was just at Bentinho Massaro and his team had a really radically transformative container that they put together, very alchemical for all the attendees, including myself, huge shift into permanent alignment. And guess what? They have the opportunity to do that daily. They have their satsang and sadhana daily. They're purifying themselves daily really hyper refining those nuanced impurities that are really blind spots and difficult to see. And that in doing so, the ascension is so strong. And then the anchoring terrestrially of the architectures to go from that third density human to the fourth density love, service to other, Christ consciousness, cosmic consciousness, unlocking. What's the fifth density, bro? The fifth density in the law of one is when you is when you balance wisdom with the love, because right. love tends to express itself like a, overzealously as martyrdom, and you try and change everybody and give them the love. And wisdom is the sort of graceful balance of backing off from needing to deliver love everywhere. That's not what we talked about earlier, the, the, the merging of emptiness and form. So that's the fifth density is the merging of the third and the fourth density. Okay, great. What's, is there, there's six density, isn't it? Yes, because it's refracted like the visible light spectrum. So, so four and five merge into one, like you just described, which is called unity, which is the sixth. And then that's also that's also the density of the higher self. So that's the density where you have, for example, the frank 
that has already undergone this massive creationary experience that is basically doing chess with the third, fourth, fifth density Frank. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, what, so the sixth density is kind of like just embodying an individual or is that? This, the sixth density is also very mirror consciousness. So it's basically where you are so purely love. This is what is said by Darshan. Like this is the direct enlightenment transmission. You are just that. You are literally just the one heart. You are just that. And that's what's meant by the mirror. And so that is that. And then seventh density is this God or the quote, like passport, when you basically take everything that you've learned in the creation, and then you take that and you use that as the passport into the next creation, the Ouroboros. So eight and one are the same because, right, it goes, <clears throat> do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, re, mi, fa, sol. I get it. It's just like the same pictures. You go back full circle, except this time, you it's completely different, yet the same. The mountain is the mountain again, but it's not the mountain as you perceive it. It's the mountain as the infinity expressing itself. Yeah. Is that kind of like same idea, huh? Totally, totally, totally. Yeah, every, yeah. Every tradition is talking about the same thing. That's that's another example of it. You look even at aliens, even aliens talk about the same thing. Yeah, and all all of these, especially when you look at it like a seven density ascension, or whether it's the ten steps, or whether it's whatever it is that looks like that ascensionary process, all that is trying to be described is the stages of the Ouroboros. It's just okay, yes, yes, yes. The yes, stages yes. of the snake eating its tail, right. right? So the stages, just like in the sort of, this is the, this is the most recent sort of visualization that put together of, you know, intelligent infinity, right? So you have intelligent infinity that is, this, you know, it's like this is the this is the source over here, the source white light that refracts through the diamond that's already around each of our necks, which is awareness. Awareness is the diamond around each of our necks. So it refracts through that first attribute of awareness. And then this is the seven density ascension that we were just talking about rock, plant, animal, human. This is where you go service to others with love, with that fourth density heart chakra. Then wisdom, balancing that out into unity and God. And then this is the Godhead, the mathematical attractor. Why does it look like a solenoid? Well, this is because it is like electromagnetic flux. That's the two poles in ascension. This is where science and spirituality get synthesized into one. This is the attractor, which is a mathematics that a complex system evolves towards an intelligent infinity down here looks a little bit like where you fractal outward you hit like in the parable of prodigal son you hit a breaking point and then you turn inward and that's what's called yoga finding union with what with god with the absolute with intelligent infinity and then from that place you wu wei like Lao Tzu said effortlessly you firework individually outward in pure service to others and so this is the type of stuff that we've been playing around with. So yeah, it's all talking about the same thing, just like the Zen picture. At the last picture, 
it sort of it brings back the, in the individual it brings back the eye even though the eye is empty even though the individual the ego is empty there's still going to be manifestation expression of the absolute through the individual how else would you express yourself exactly. that's why that's why the really hardcore non-dual teachings of you're not here you don't exist it's nothing to do it's i think it's great it's it's a great step but what if you get stuck in there it could be potentially uh beta yeah <laughs> by the way all of the great most realized people that i know like you and i having this conversation and like both of us really respect bentinho a lot a lot of the people that are up here that a lot of people tune into what they say is because they carry the perspective that you just shared, which is the simultaneity. It's all of those layers simultaneously like lenses and being able to navigate. And I would say another component to why people respect people like that so much is also because they are, they are the purest manifestation of light love lila they are the divine play in its most purest form they are both the blissful giggle fest of he we joy causeless joy in imperturbable peace but they're also balanced out with seriousness earnestness and uh being in service to helping people realize that net that natural state that true yeah true yeah 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 i think it's really important to bring the individual back into the into the the absolute because see self and no self is not a duality <laughs> you, go beyond, you, go beyond, you see no difference at all between ego and non-ego between self and no self between enlightenment and non-enlightenment between nirvana and samkara that's why i think the buddha or maybe someone who transcends from the buddha will feel more like a monkey than a god or a human it will feel like a some kind of entity that is neither and both god monkey and human yeah yeah. It's, a, it's almost like a, you, your movement is so natural, you feel like a monkey, like an animal. But then your, the, the consciousness that's been expressed is so vast and so intelligent, it feels like outer space. It feels like it's from outer space. It feels like it's from some, some kind of AI fiction, science fiction reality. So it's, again, it's a combination of the two yeah. that, that gives rise to... That's why someone, uh, I think that one of the Brahmins was challenging Buddha, asking him a straight question. He's like, hey, bro, are you man or are you God? And the Buddha said, neither. I'm neither man or God. I'm awake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that 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 entity that's awake is neither being is neither being or non-being. It's neither God or human. It's what it is. Yeah. yeah. It's what it is. Never ever 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 fuck with the beautiful individuated fireworks because that is the prime mechanism of intelligent infinity of endlessly expressing itself via the costumes, the individuated costumes. Never fuck with that because it is our prime algorithm creatively is to be able to rock these costumes like this. It's fucking dope. 
<laughs> That's why a lot of the times, um, see people like Ruber, Spyro, Ekatoli. I want to know what they're like. What, what, what are their Mitsu? Like they're 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 presenting <laughs> in such a holy way that I want to see them as individuals as well. You know, I want to see they embody their individuals. Now I want to see what I could tell. What's his favorite food? What's his favorite sex position? Uh, you know, stuff like that. You know, that if he can express that, I I, I would love him even more. Yeah, that's yeah. A lot of times, that's why I said the spirituality paradigm is in itself a kind of like a trap. You have to play a certain yes. role. Spiritual. You have to talk a certain way to be considered enlightened. Yeah, but it has to be expressed as well. That's why you see a lot of teachers they commit adultery or they abuse their students because they're suppressing their individuality. You're still a human being with biological tendencies, even though it's all empty. But on the relative level, on one plane, that is reality. So a lot of teachers they they get into this non-dual state, and sometimes they would you know come out with scandals and stuff like that. And I think it's because they haven't really, just like the priests that, that sort of like uh, rape little kids. It's, it's, it's almost like they're, they're, their non-dual awareness is so vast. It's almost like they're, they're, their human aspect of it either gets suppressed, overlooked, or just, you know, they, they think they shouldn't express it. Right? Yeah. So, but that's just another duality. And yeah. the appearance of the holy spiritual teacher is almost a cultural dogma that has been, right. it's been programmed by the matrix that right. if the spiritual teacher doesn't look like that, then they're not enlightened. So don't trust them. And if that's become a certain way. If they, they engage in certain behaviors, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Versus yeah. when you're in a sense, that's why Bentinho uses, in a sense, he uses a cigar as one of the ways of being able to be like, if you get triggered by the cigar, you are nowhere near spiritual adept. You are nowhere near uh, ready to get through those egoic layers of identity to try and know your true nature if you're getting triggered by that. And very similarly, this is why the team, you know, every single night we were going out in the little rooftop at the venue we were at in Costa Rica and we were dancing and playing and being blissful and joyful and abiding together. And we were doing that. And this is the type of stuff we would love to see the planetary spiritual leaders. We would love to see what they're like when it comes to let's put on some music, let's dance, let's crack some jokes, let's have fun and show people also that spirituality is like Frank's been saying, it is this very monkey-like natural state as well. So that's what Osho tried to do, I think, also with his uh, he did. With, his, with his cars and his uh, whatever else that he did. The, check out these jokes. Osho, I take your trouble seriously, but deep inside I am giggling. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the, there's this one too. Yeah. That's funny, man. When I look at you, I am searching for a joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy's such a troll, man. Yeah, and, and you're right. It's a playboy. Yeah. You know what's funny, though? Speaking of Osho, uh, I think at two or three weeks ago, I had an out-of-body experience where I was – that was a really – one of the first times that – one of the only times. I had, I had a couple, but that was one of the only times where I felt like um, I was speaking through my past lives. But even though from my perception right now, right now, right here, I, I it was just a dream. It was just like something that already happened or that didn't happen. The ontological status of the validity of it, I don't really care. But that there was an experience like this. 
I was perceiving myself in my past life. That was one of the only one of the only events when I felt like I was really literally here, physically here in another lifetime or even right now. If time is simultaneous, I was there right now. But it was another space, another dimension. I was in Oregon and I was one of the followers of Osho. I, I was literally there. I was not asleep. I, I, I still had a sense I was in my bed, but my consciousness was there. Literally, I felt like I was physically there, that either, either another lifetime or right now. And then I was looking at Osho, and he was just like kind of like sitting there doing his Osho thing. He wasn't even speaking, he was just silent. But everyone else is like clapping and worshiping like a god, right? And I was one of the people, but I didn't worship him like a god. I was just looking at him in the eye, and he looked at me, and I was like, that's me, and I'm him. And then because this, and I was like, there's nothing inside this man. This man is a completely empty house. He is the most ordinary man, the most magnificent but ordinary man in the entire crowd. But everyone else was treating him like he was some kind of a god. Yeah. yeah. But he was just, the, that, that is why, because he's, he's completely empty. That's why people project all kinds of stuff on him. Yeah. And, then I was, and I was, I feel so sad because I was, I was like, I knew what you're trying to do. I, I could totally understand what you're trying to do. Yeah. And then he looked, at, he looked at me too. And he and then our eyes just merged and I went to this like fucking DMT trip. It was fucking crazy, man. Perfect. What a great, like, <laughs> what what a great way to put it is that as we mentioned with Siddhar Mishwar and Nisargata Maharaj, that as you think, so you are. So in this case, you have this audience that is projecting God, deity, and then you have the Frank Yang character in this dream that knows the nature that Osho, in this case, is that very essence of that empty, playful, blissful, peacefulness. And that he recognizes that that is one, that the Frank Yang and the Osho character is one, and that by doing so, you transcend all of those nonsensical, that is some, that is God, that is deity, that is what I am not, all of that type of right, stuff. Right, and right. so it's, it's a simple change in the lens to go from, okay, watch, when you get really good at this, you can do it at this speed. You can go from, I am a person lens to, you can shift that to, I am formless, impersonal eternal awareness lens and then you can shift from you went a big shift into subtlety from that first one and then you can shift into the i am the source of infinite possibilities lens i am the infinite creator lens and if you can really navigate between those three really lenses really kind of smoothly and you can navigate the nothingness lens and the everythingness lens if you can kind of navigate these lenses you can really find a peaceful blissful way to just flow effortlessly through life which is what it is you are a flower expressing itself aromatically on the planet growing towards the sun effortlessly and your mind is just toiling you around like you're playing out of tune in the symphony because you're attached to some sort of layer of identity that formed thanks to your ignorant parents and the ignorant matrix that we built ourselves for this exact process of getting us out of the mazeless maze, the ex the, the lockless escape room. So you said something about flowers, and I just want to 
tell you like uh, tell you guys a story about, about about how the buddha was gonna give like the, the best ser sermon in the world like one of his last sermons like the sermons of all sermons he's almost exactly the osho story i talked about so he walked up to the podium the, the podium there's all thousands of people trying to receive his blessing right trying to learn the dharma of all dharmas and then the buddha he just took out flowers he just goes like this he just took out the flower he just held it and there's only one person in the entire stadium that truly knew what he was talking about and he just nodded at the buddha and the buddha nodded at him and that was it that's exactly my experience with osho it was like hey man if you really understood what osho was talking about you wouldn't be clapping at this man you would be like this man exactly the same as me there's absolutely no distinction at all between osho and me and osho sees no distinction at all either boom that's why Osho never. That's why Osho went into the space of like three or four years of silence. He was saying like he was he was saying like I've been speaking so much, fifteen years. I've been talking nonstop for fifteen years, but I feel like I'm talking to a wall because so many few people understand the simplest truth. Yeah, I was like I understand what this man was trying to do, trying to say, just just by looking in his eyes and he's just being silent. So it's like the Buddha just holding out a flower. So this is the Dharma of all Dharmas. Yeah, that's yeah. enough. Now here's a here's a flower. <laughs> Perfect. I think that's a great, great place to end it. Likewise, I was just thinking the same oh, thing. It's 11 11 on my clock. And it's 11 11 in Taiwan. Boom. Perfect. 11 11 in Taiwan. Perfect. <laughs> See, even more boom. Wom, wom, wom. It's effortless. The whole two hour convo, so flow, so smooth, effortless, just like the hydrological cycle on the planet. And thank you for the ending of that beautiful, this is the Dharma. Look. <laughs> Oof. All right. Boom. That's episode number two with Frank Yang costume. We love it. We love the, the I am loves the dialectic between the Frank and Atlas costumes. It's really strong. It's uh, hopefully helping a lot of people that are watching. And that's the key is to be in service to the other costumes that are seeking that true nature that they already are. Yeah, it's con consciousness wants to wake up to itself. That's the only projection or the only trajectory of consciousness is to wake up to itself. So you can do, you do, you do whatever it means possible. You know, at this moment, it's doing it through the Frank Kane and the Alice costume. But even without us, consciousness will still try to wake up to itself regardless, even during dark times. Because darkness only comes in accordance in uh, codependent arise with lightness, right? Love and hate codependent arise. Yep, yep, yep. And that's- so The whole process is consciousness recognizes itself and he's doing it through genocides as well as through yes. unity, unity love. It's all the two sides of the same coin. But if you tell people this, then they have no concept of non-duality. They're going to think you're evil. But evil only arises out of goodness. So, you know, you transcend all that duality. Yes. All that duality. Yeah, yes. The moment you see something that's beautiful, you recognize it's its opposite as well. You can't recognize ugly without beauty and vice versa. No. Yeah. All is that love light, white network theory at play, and that we color up the half of that with that darkness to, right. to yeah. and that's the monist plus dualist in one symbol the taijitu the yin yang plus monism in one symbol so the dark light let's return to the dark light right now dark mm. light of the afternoon. Mm.
<laughs> Let me play, play, play a belt and then we'll end it. Let's play a Dharma belt. Perfect. Play a Dharma belt. Yes. I like how we both, as that was coming through, we both said, Dung. That was beautiful. Let's see. This one sucks, bro. Just give me one, man. There, that's a good one. <laughs> so thanks everyone for tuning thanks, in everybody. yeah we adore you infinitely thanks so much for tuning in we would love to hear your thoughts in the comments below write us out a comment let us know what you think about the episode where you're at we'll see if frank and i can potentially come in and hit a tennis ball back to help you out and like the video if it brought you value it helps the algorithm also subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet share the video with people that you know this would positively influence that's critical as well and check out the links in the bio below you can find the first episode we did with frank we'll have that link below also check out the frank's youtube channel has a lot of awesome content that links in the bio below check that out also, Frank's Instagram has a lot of awesome content. That link's in the bio below. <laughs> this is going to go off for one hour, bro. So check out all those links in the bio below. Infinite love and adoration. Frank, thank you. What a stellar round two. Thank you. The eternal bra. The eternal bra. All right. We'll stay in the studio. Much love, everyone. I'm going to end the broadcast. Peace.